I only want to be with you as you. I only want to sound like Dave Matthews. <laughs> Which one of us did who dear? Which Bitch one of us did who dear? I want to go a mountain. Maybe it's a pyramid. <laughs> Take me to Egypt <laughs> and I'll find you yeah. hieroglyph. Baby, I want some gold. I can go into this mummy's crypt. I only want to be. Oh, I'm black and blue. I want to sound like Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> Phil had never heard uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. They're not. He wasn't real. convinced they were real, so I had to show him a song that he has heard before. Um, I have heard. I still don't think they're a real band, though. <laughs> they exist yeah. only in the friend joke and nothing else. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's like that thing you do is a real song, but, you know, the Wanders aren't really a real band. Or are they? Are they? Or are they? The Fountains of Wayne are a real band, and they did the thing. Fountains of Wayne, just like, that's a fake band name. You know, the it's like it's like bare naked ladies, <laughs> fountains of Wayne, like oh all those my God, bands. Yeah, big lovely one hit wonders. Fake of the ass 90s. names. <laughs> the new radicals. <laughs> yeah, uh, should we do been ducted? Like, a, yeah. Should we do like when we get into our nineties movies, which will happen? Yeah. Um, we each week we could just pick like a nineties one hit wonder. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just like a fave. Well, just to, like it, it's, it's it's not even snack time. You, it's like you know, it's it's going to be pretty time. easy to do that, Phil, because I feel like I'm setting up so much for that this week, which I feel like you know we're just we're still we're in the '90s here with today's episode. Oh yeah, still. and next week we're not going to be in the '90s, but we're moving on. The film next week. You know, in the time period and everything, once we get into that, as much as I love next week's film, just the whole time period is just going to make me hate everything and want to go back to the 90s. So I'm, yeah. I'm setting it up real nice this week. I've got a really good thing crafted here for this episode. And let's just let's just go ahead and get into yeah, welcome to the podcast in a cast only want to be a podcast in a cast <laughs> uh this here is Charlie foster and i am here with my hootie boy he's a little blowfish i am hootie and he is my blowfish phil how's it going how you doing yeah that's about right i'm all right you're all right i'm all right um yeah there's nothing going on with me i'm doing the same thing just struggling to finish this damn movie and i'm just watching other movies instead. yeah dude i'm way down in the doldrums myself trying to like mm. finish or get the like i don't know willpower to finish my album and also just like playing music with other people and listening mm. to other bands instead and there's like new albums yeah. coming out i'm stoked about that aren't my albums so yeah uh, but hey, if you're listening to this, I'm playing this Friday, I think, by the time this goes out, uh, if you, if you can make it in time, 24th of February with, uh, this new band I'm playing bass in, this guy named Alfie Furman, we're playing at the Cavendish Arms over near, uh, Stockwelly, Oval, Vauxhall sort of area, <laughs> London, look at those. You'll, you'll London. find it. If you're in London, you'll find it. Be it's, there. It's near Nine Elms Station, that new tube station, you know, it's all fancy schmancy. But anyway, 
if you want to hear hear some music um it's not my music but i'm playing in the band and it's good music so <laughs> come on out uh anyway phil let's just get into it let's like we're, what do we what do we do we're, we're here it's week three what, who are we talking about week three the renaissance mini arc continues Brendan! <laughs> Brendan, <laughs> Brendan. <laughs> I, I, I realized how much I hated it after I like put it into last week's episode. I already fucking hated it. Um, but whatever. Uh, I can't sing. I can't do a chorus effect of a bunch of people singing. Um, so I'm sorry, but it's still there, and I'm not going to fix it because I don't care. Uh, last week um, we saw with it. our BF. That's Brendan Fraser. Take over the airwaves of a local rock station with the help of Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi in 1994's mm-hmm. Airheads. Now, we step forward into time. Are you ready, Phil? We're going into the future, but also into the past. Into the past. Yeah. It's like Back to the Future 2 and yeah, in three. 3. Definitely yeah. 3. Uh, yeah, definitely. Except three. it's all in the past, but the film was made. Yeah. In the future of '94, how did how did they do that? <laughs> did they really good set dresser, man? Oh, man. How did, We're going to the year 1999. Oh, Q, the artist formerly known as Prince, who in the year of 1999 was going by the unpronounceable love symbol. 1982 <laughs> hit 1999. The Attitude Era was in full effect. South Park was. At its peak, getting well over three to four million viewers a week, Ricky Martin's Living La Vida Loca was <laughs> topping the charts. Napster was launched wow. by a couple of guys who wanted to listen to Living La Vida Loca, but didn't want to pay for Living La Vida Loca, or probably didn't want anyone to know that they paid for Living La Vida Loca, or that they wanted to pay for Living La Vida Loca. Ooh, Shakespeare in Love won the Best Picture at the 71st Academy Awards. Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> and Stanley Kubrick passed away. That makes a lot that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Everything changes after that. The first Star Wars movie in over 16 years was released with The Phantom Menace. In your face. George Lucas ruined the childhoods of millions of man children with the introduction of Jar Jar Binks. The Euro was officially introduced, and an enraged UKIP won their first European Parliament seats. Bill Clinton was acquitted in impeachment hearings for not not having sexual relations with that woman, (laughs) and John F. Kennedy Jr. crashed his plane and died. Or did he? Or did he? The Columbine High School massacre occurred, and a new U.S. gun control bill was rejected. And capping the year <laughs> off, the Millennium Dome opened its doors for the first time in oh, London shit. with a crap selection of exhibitions, including a 10,000 square foot hall playing Robbie Williams' Millennium on repeat and would close its doors within a year before being sold off to O2 and renovated as a multi-purpose entertainment venue in 2007 where our boy Prince were coming full circle would rock out the house in a record-breaking 21 sold-out concerts. 
but we're not talking yeah, about man. 2007. Prince. We're talking about 1999. The world was a crazy place in 1999. Mm -hmm. End of an era. Y2K. Mm. It was all that right shit. there. 9-11 happening. Shit that sucked. Stuff that ruined yeah. the rest of the world. But 99 was crazy and we can't even begin to try to comprehend what was going on. But like the Prince song, we were partying like it was 1999 because of our boy, Brendan Fraser. He turned in Three bona fide classics that year, including Blast from the Past. Yes, we almost talked about that. Dudley Do Right. And the film we're going to talk about today, Phil. And that film is what? Because it has nothing the to do mummy. with what we were just. All that. No, no, nothing. It doesn't to do matter. But in, in, in context, <laughs> it's the mama, the mummy, the mama, mama, the mummified mummy, the mummy. The Mummies, good garage rock band. Many men have wasted their lives in the foolish pursuit of Harmonoptra. Most have never returned. I think you found something. Doorway to hell. Oh my god, it does exist. You have unleashed a creature that we have feared for more than 3,000 years. He's the bringer of death. He will never stop. This summer, Universal Pictures invites you on an extraordinary adventure. Beyond life and time. In the 1920s, adventurer Rick O'Connell, played by Brendan Fraser. Mm -hmm. Leads the Brenda. librarian who moonlights as an Egypt Egypt Egyptologist Egyptologist Egyptologist. I think you got it. Yeah, yeah. Egyptologist. Moonlights yeah. as an Egyptologist. Evelyn played she likes by old shit. Bro. Rachel Vice and her brother Jonathan, played by John Hanna, who looks sort of like a young Nigel Farage. Is pretty fucking weird. Yeah, it's off-putting. To the mysterious Hamanamtra, a.k.a. the City of the Dead, where they inadvertently resurrect the evil high priest Imhotep. Imhotep! Played by uh, Arnold Vosloo, his mummy from his eternal prison, and unwittingly set loose a 3,000-year-old legacy of terror. It's the 1999 action-adventure film written and directed by Stephen Somers. Phil, hot takes out the gate. The mummy. The mummy. Oh, mummy. Don't know if it's a hard take. I love the mummy. <laughs> I think it fucking banged, dude. Like it was rewatching it. I forgot how I I knew. Well, I haven't seen it in years, but so much of it was like, oh yeah, I remember this. I totally remember this. Like the bits I really remember, the things that terrified me and the kid, and all the bugs and giant mouths and yeah. shit like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just going, oh. Um, <laughs> 
but it's oh man it's such a good time this is my kind of flick like i hate to be the they don't make them like this anymore and they they just know a few and far between they sort of i really like this sort of these swashbuckling adventure movies yeah and i feel like the last stand for them were in the 90s you had like this and you had Doro. Mm-hmm. um pirates of the caribbean kind of the last big one yeah especially this first two like were just kind Definitely. of fun you know but that they're, they're really fun like big of epic set pieces, ridiculous storylines, story sort of like cartoonish characters, but it's done well. It's done like it's such a silly movie, and there's some bits that are just like you laugh at it because it's so bad. Yeah. But yeah. like some of the effects and some of the lines, but the core is so strong. Like the three leads are really, you know, most of the cast are really good, but Brendan Fraser. And Rachel Weisz in particular are really fucking good in this movie. And they have really strong chemistry and they're fun. And it's just really fun to watch. Like it's so easy to gloss over those things because you're having so much fun. It's like really entertaining. It's really, it moves really quickly. The action scenes are fun and they're memorable. It's sort of, it wears influences on its sleeve, but doesn't feel like it's ripping off any of them. You know, it's a bit Indiana Jones, it's a bit... The bit Star Wars, the bit uh, Harryhausen, the bit obviously the old school mummy, but like it throws it all together in this weird part. And kind of Brendan Fraser alluded to that where it's like we didn't kind of know what they didn't know what kind of movie they were making, mm-hmm. and you feel that it's kind of everything at once. But it actually works. It surprisingly worked, and I enjoyed it just as much as I did when I was a kid. So um, I don't remember the second one apart from. The- dodgy fucking scorpion king <laughs> so maybe may, I, I hear it i hear it's not as good yeah but this one is this one's solid man and it's brendan like really take it i've been so impressed like obviously i'm re-watching these movies it's not new for me but like it's just that dude is so committed and so believable and so good in everything he's in and he's also so different yeah in everything he's in while maintaining the guy you know and like, like his own sort of mannerisms and delivery. But like Rick O'Connell is miles away from Link, miles away from Chad, you know, like they're all completely different characters. He's grown so much. Rick O'Connell is just like the coolest motherfucker ever, but like also very vulnerable and silly, like gets his ass kicked a lot, but like it's still, and he's a bit stupid, but he's still like a romantic and like yeah. a hero. And he's just fucking boss. And like, <laughs> I just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more than I, I thought it would. I can see why people still talk about it, especially with the new mummy movie, which just, just sort of took all the fun <laughs> right out of it, which Did is you what see they it? do when they reboot. No, yeah, I, didn't. I saw a bit of it. And I, I was just like, it. nah, I'm all right. Yeah. Tom Cruise is no Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Thank you. Especially not um, now. I mean, I, I know people love yeah, Top may- Gun, but like that's an established character that, it, you know, he's done before as Maverick, but like, you know, it's not like, you can't just have him come in and take over the this like really I don't know, like it it's it's an old IP, but at the same time it's like it's something that Brendan Fraser within the last like thirty years has established, you know, or twenty years yeah, and made know, 20, iconic, yeah. Twenty ish years. Uh and yeah, made iconic and yeah, it's weird. Like it's not I don't know. But did you did you like it? Yeah, dude. I immediately, t- you know, turned it on. And I was just like, dude, this film just fucking slaps from the get go. You you know exactly where you're at. You know exactly what's yeah, with happening. Yeah, all the backstory. Like, yeah, you know, and it just like moves along at a really good pace. 
Um, I think it does slightly slow down almost to a detriment towards the end. But then once it gets back into the final sort of like action piece, it's like, it's real fun and just kind of fun. Uh, I think it's because there are like kind of a few moving parts in the story, which I understand they need these characters because it's obviously with the way the mummy's curse is that like he needs to uh, basically, you know, pull himself together using the body parts and the skin and stuff from like yeah, all yeah, these yeah, guys yeah. who basically the that opened, opened up it. that chest, um, yeah, man. which is it was like fucking rad when he took that dude's eyes. That was gross. <laughs> and like, Oh, he died in a tongue, man. Yeah. It, it showed such, restra- sorry, it showed such restraint in those moments. Cause you never actually see that stuff. Yeah. 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 For a movie that's really big over the top, like CG spectacle, you know, big sand yeah. wall with a face, but like all like the really like intimate stuff is left to your imagination. Yeah. And that was the like beauty that. of the original mummy. I think. And that was what was exactly. kind of cool that Steven Sommers like, you know, kept, in this uh because the original mummy was all about what you didn't see and it was like really scary it was one of the like and i think summers put it pretty like in a particular way of like you know frankenstein was the one that you sort of like felt bad for and like mm-hmm. um you know dracula was kind of cool and sexy and the mummy was just really <laughs> scary like he was just really fucking scary and you know these are all from like roughly the same year like or like within the same yeah, two all years the, these all three the universal classic yeah, yeah from like 1932 so and uh yeah it was just like you know like a really good like updated version of it but also like you said yeah it has these vibes of like indiana jones and stuff and it's just really fun like it knows what it's doing it feels sure of itself and brendan fraser definitely feels for- sure of himself and like he's like you're saying no, he's he just, born to he just be into these roles and i was saying it last week when he just kind of embodied Chaz. it was just weird just looks he was giving he made you believe that he was just like full of himself like musician a lot of times you see people you know uh, from films and stuff to step into roles and you can't like separate like seeing them and knowing who they are away from like mm. you know seeing them as that character it's like it's a really special knack that certain actors have that can really just embody a character and like yeah he's really good man he's totally serving up like the sort of indiana jones vibe but like he definitely has his own little charm to him like he's I don't know. Like he's cool. He maintains that cool vibe that Indiana Jones has. And it was something that Brendan Fraser really was good at where he could be cool. He could be macho and just like, yeah, total like hot himbo sort of character, which he is. <laughs> and he totally like, this is peak. Really? This is really absolutely peak of this time. Rick O'Connell, mm. but at the same time has that Indiana Jones quality where he could be like, you know, getting his ass kicked, you know, and it's kind of funny, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, he, he, and it's like, you know, more endearing and believable than uh, most the action heroes. The whole final set piece is built around him just getting the shit kicked yeah. out of him, yeah, yeah. buying time yeah. while they figure out how to beat Imhotep. Yeah, and, you know, and then at the same time, he's not as, like, shitty as Indiana Jones. Like, you can see the the change of... Like I would say, know. or like a bond, you yeah. know, not like yeah, yeah. problematic and those sort of problematic. That's a great word for can, it, yeah, because it's like because he's got he obviously had he's not really a womanizer, but you know there was a relationship here, but it's never apart from like stealing the kiss, mm. 
it's never really yeah that's like, like the closest just, but it's, like, but even then you kind of get it yeah. like he's like about to die basically yeah and um and she like rachel vice on the other hand is like really a, like perfect sort of like you know foil, foil for him for sure like she's mm. really good i don't think she gets enough respect like and not enough no. people talk about her she's fucking great she was really good she's great the fucking favorite man like fucking ah. Oh. She's great. She's favorite, so yeah. good. And the lobster yeah. and Camden teen. She's fucking great. Great actress. Um, and she's yeah. good in this and she just has that sort of vibe of like, you know, old school, like, you know, heroin. Um, yeah. They give her like, enough agency yeah. as well. Yeah, like yeah. that. It never feels. And and then when she does sort of finally fall into the stuck damn non distress, yeah. they make light of it. Yeah, yeah. He just like, he flat out said it. He just like, you know, save the world, get the damn on distress, kill the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing. I was like, yes, yeah. dude. Yeah. It, That's it, exactly what we're like, doing here and we're having fun. Yeah, it's you're having fun. It's sort of being, it's like, you know, playing it up as a bit of a satire in a way. And it's not like taking yeah. yourself too serious. And I think that's the problem. This sort of like film like this, it's hard to exist today, especially when you're thinking of like everything that gets created today is all about like, you know, trying to make the next big franchise instead of just trying to mm. make a good fucking movie. Good film. You know, that could yeah. lend itself to a franchise, which this film yeah, did. Yeah. You know, that was a problem with, you know, 2017 with The the Mummy with Tom Cruise. It's like... It was setting up the yeah, dark, good universe. dark universe. It has like Let's, Jekyll and Hyde in it. And yeah, shit. and it's like, like, just do one. Stop writing like 10 steps ahead. Just like, you know, plan out your fucking first movie first. And just like make that good instead of trying to think about mm. how you can tie it into like fucking the invisible man and like, and some f- like 50th version of Wolfman. It's like, come on, man, just stop. Like, you don't have to be Marvel. Like, their mm. films are getting old and stale anyway. So, like, you know, it's yeah, like, finally the tide is finally fucking turning. chill. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's like a f- very fun time. Like, you know, I think like, this from the late nineties, you know, we're still living in a really good fun time. And it's like, they really don't make films like this anymore, but there's the level to it as well. Like, yeah. in the world of like IP and like everything in the cinematic universe, everything in the franchise, it's harder to get, would make a film like this, which is weird. Cause it, it wasn't a remake, but you know, you know what I mean? It was also a reinvention of a, of an idea yeah. that I think I, I've, I've, I've said it before. It's like, you know, they'll make the Matrix 4 now, but they won't make the Matrix. Yeah. yeah. They would never make that. Yeah, yeah, now. yeah. Um, so but there's true. also like a weird level of like, I don't know. I have a problem with like, I felt this way when Indiana Jones 4 came out. Mm-hmm. And like, you could call me crazy. I know people shit on that movie. I like that movie. Oh, I liked it. Like, I think, I think people are way too harsh on it. And South Park did it really well where they sort of made fun of both. Yeah. They made fun of the movie and made fun of how people reacted yeah. to it. Yeah, you ruined um, my but, childhood, people. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like that movie, I think it's pretty close to the original. It's more the audience has changed and we're a bit more, I, I want it, I, maybe cynical is not the right word, but maybe less willing to make that leap. Um like that suspension of disbelief. I don't know, get just throw ourselves into a sort of fun, goofy time. Mm. But it seems to always be like that at the time, like reading reviews of the mummy, people shit on it. But then if you read remo- reviews of the new mummy, people shit on it because it's not as good as that. One. Yeah. 
of the yeah, yeah, yeah. one. So it's like, it's always this thing in hindsight we like, mm-hmm. but in the moment we might not be able to like fully appreciate, but like, I really like these movies. I wish they would sort of, I wish there was sort of a space for them because the Marvel movies take, don't really do that for me. Um, maybe some of them have that sort of, kind of have that spirit, but like, I don't know, because it's always just a guy on a horse with a gun, like trying to get the treasure. You know, it's really simple, it's really small, and like a lot of it's practical yeah. as well. That's, I think that's the big yeah. thing. Even with this film, there's a lot of CG in this film. Some of it good, some of it no, not good. I actually thought um, it was fucking great for 1999. It was good for 99. Like I, yeah, yeah. I was just like, you know what? Most of this stuff kind of still it's holds up. It's the mouth. It's just the mouth. When yeah. he does the all, yeah, yeah, yeah. it just looks so funny. And like it, him, or when he's like normal and he's controlling like his big sand monster yeah. and he's like doing this, it just looks really funny. Yeah, yeah. But like all like the bugs and him when he's like first awakened, I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah. Or like when he sort of in between halfway through, yeah, you know when like his mouth, yeah, you is got like you could, sort of, yeah, kind of gross. That shit yeah, terrified yeah. me as a kid, man. Yeah. I remember, I really remember those images. They were like they still kind of freak me out. Yeah, I, I remember like, seeing this as a kid as well and thinking it was pretty like scary. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't remember the last time I watched the Mummy, which was like it was fun going back to it because it was like seeing it for the first time. Although I kind of knew all the, like, you know, I knew little bits and pieces. I I mean, you know, how could I forget that, like, you know, the cat is, like, always freaking me out. It's like, why not just carry the fucking cat around with you all the time? Like, you know, fuck that mummy. Yeah, take him into the cave. Like, fuck that mummy. Just bring your cat with you. If he comes out at you, just be like, boo, motherfucker. Or just dress like a cat or something. I don't know, man. Like, Jesus. He's like, oh yeah. shit! They have giant cats here but in yeah. the future. Um, but yeah, the, the mummy, the mummy two, the mummy returns. Now, obviously, mm, the mummy. <laughs> I mean, you you like obviously know wrestling and stuff in the that. Attitude Era and all that, but I don't know how like turned on like you know in terms of like you know um, your brain just like fucking mm. rocking and rolling at that time because like mm. when the Mummy Returns came out, like I think two thousand one. It was uh, it was like such a big deal with the Rock. Oh, I remember. Like it was dude, I remember. Hardcore. They pushed it hard. Yeah, and because that led into like Hollywood Rock. And yeah, stuff. and I I went to see The Mummy Returns and like I like was definitely all up for it. And I remember going to see the Scorpion King as well and that whole thing. And you know, and that was the the Rock. Like you know, that was his first big Hollywood film role. Um, but yeah, man. like Brendan Fraser gave the rock his career. This, that yeah, that's yeah. And the rock actually like tweeted out about that. Like, uh, you know, it was like thanking Brendan Fraser for, uh, welcoming, welcoming him to his franchise and like this big Hollywood film. And it was the rock's first film and like, you know, just being really nice and, uh, you know, and congratulating him on his big return with the whale and stuff. That was like around the time when the whale sort of, I think maybe Tiff, it had, premiered at TIFF or something like that. So it was like, mm. you know, early days before it came into cinemas and stuff. So it was getting a lot of the like hype and everything, but uh, yeah, it was cool to see. And, you know, the, the thing though, with the CGI, it's like this film particularly, like, you know, holds up like so much better than the mummy returns. Like the Scorpion King <laughs> is like, it's kind of shocking to be honest. Like when I 
I think it was around the time like last year when we first put you know the mummy and the mummy returns double feature on sale at the cinema which is coming back in april mm. uh more about that at the end of the yes episode. um but yeah uh when i was putting that like on sale and stuff and doing emails and all that stuff about it like it was really funny like seeing some of these photos of the scorpion king and it was just like jesus christ like this is total <laughs> playstation 2 graphics right here it looks horrible yeah. or maybe even playstation I, 1 it looks so bad like it's really bad. weird i've seen like uh you know, like people break them down for like VFX artists. And I remember seeing a video where they had the guy, the lead designer, and he was just like, yeah, it's just bad, <laughs> isn't it? It's just like, it was one of those like rush jobs. They just didn't have the yeah. time or the tech to do that. And like how they would have done it now, how they would have changed it. But it just, but it's become weirdly like iconic in its own right. <laughs> like everybody yeah, remembers yeah, that. Yeah. And maybe one of like the, sort of one of the worst practical, like uh, effect shots. Yeah ever but like if it wasn't i don't know if people would really be talking yeah, about definitely. it well speaking of talking about the mummy that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of this episode it's going to be a big one uh i think i don't know we'll see um but it's mainly because the mummy has like a very interesting story about how long it took to like actually get made so the 1999 version of the mummy was initially pitched back in the late 1980s by producers james jacks and sean daniel these guys were known for producing the likes of Dazed and Confused, Hard Target, Tombstone, and Mallrats up to this point. So they were really big mm -hmm. on like helping out young directors and stuff like that, like, you know, make a name for themselves in early, you know, films like particularly Dazed and Confused with Richard Linklater and, and Mallrats with Kevin Smith. Um, and then, yeah, of course, the Mummy franchise would come into their laps and then they would like, you know, they would just go to town on it. I think they pretty much produced all the rest of the like mummy and the Scorpion King franchise and everything. So, uh, but yeah, the idea was to update the 1932 universal horror classic, the mummy, uh, starring Boris Karloff, but for the modern era, mind you being at the 1980s universal were keen on having this unstoppable mummy akin to the Terminator, <laughs> but the <laughs> mummy would take a long road down development hell before it would finally reach cinemas in 1999 and it was a road that would see its first stop with the father of the zombie movie because when there's no more room in hell the dead will walk the earth <laughs> yes the first oh. director attached to resurrect the mummy was none other than george a romero in 1987 romero wrote a treatment but Unsatisfied with the idea, in 1988, Abby Bernstein was hired by Jackson Daniel to write another script. And then the intention was still that uh, Romero would, would direct. But at this point, they were still gunning for this whole Terminator aspect. So Bernstein came up with this idea of a sacred orb that had been buried with the mummy. And if it got wet and it dripped on you, it would like melt your body and shit. Very horrific. <laughs> And it was set in present day and the scientists had developed a machine that would stimulate like dead nerves for use on disabled people. And they accidentally resurrect the mummy by, I guess, why not? Let's, let's stimulate the him. mummy. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we know, know how. how. Red rocket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they got this magical orb. No, I... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> it met, they stimulated him dead nerve and then a magical orb came out and they all got wet. <laughs> then he pondered. He Highly sexual. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, when the mummy awakens, it goes on this very violent and murderous rampage trying to get to his orb. So the idea is, I guess, I read, I was reading this in this, Give me this my really old magazine article and it was really hard to kind of discern what she was talking about with this idea. But it was like as if the mummy was going to throw this orb into the ocean so that like he would kill everything on Earth. Because if it got wet, it would just like, I guess, just burn, yeah, burn I everything. I don't know. Because yeah. like, what about land? <laughs> I don't <laughs> It's Dr. Uh, Land. Just how about we none of us go in the water? <laughs> problem solved. I mean, that would fuck the world that's no up, good. I guess. That, like, you know, destroy the whole ecosystem, yeah. but still. Yeah, but that that's, yeah, but it's much more interesting. Like a yeah. Dracula, man. Like, you make it personal. This dude just trying to get some, He's you know. trying to sell some tail. land, you know. Like, no, but I mean, like, in the new, in the film they got to, like, you're trying to save yeah. his girlfriend. You could buy into that. And there's, like... It's still Jonathan Harker, like he'll do. He's uh, real estate, you know, selling land to Dracula, right? And then Dracula sees his girl. Yeah. Oh, Dracula in Dracula, sees his girl, Sorry, and he's yeah. just like, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're talking about the mummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the mummy. Yeah. I'm talking yeah, about the mummy. I was comparing yeah. it to it's Dracula. It's exactly the same. He sees his like, girl, and he's like, yeah. You know, you remind me of a babe. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want that. that. Hey, I'm gonna take I your bird. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if an ancient Egypt was just like old fucking Victorian England mummy, <laughs> just like Cockney. Yeah, <laughs> he was. I'll be having that. He was South African, actually, yeah. on a Vosloo, South African. Oh, the knockoff Billy's name. Yeah, yeah. dude. Oh my god. Uh, For the longest time as a kid, I thought that was Billy Zane. I don't know why. It's weird. Like Billy Zane like has Billy Zane, such a particular face that he's like. Of course, he's been in like, I don't know, like what the Phantom and like Titanic and Titanic, shit like that. Yeah. So he was in some big Doolanda. films, but at the same time, he wasn't like mega, mega, mega star. So there's no reason yeah, yeah. why I should remember him, but his face is just fucking, I don't know, particular. Your head. Yeah. Um, and also, there was a pitcher that used to play for the Braves, Nick Beeple, um, who Nick whose Beeple. name was Tim Hudson, who looked so much like him. It was fucking weird. So, it, like, I always kind of like, I was just like, yeah. What's his nickname? The Phantom? The Phantom. You should have called him the Phantom. That'd be <laughs> sick, dude. Yeah, the Phantom. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I always thought Honor of Vazalu was, was fucking Billy Zane. It tripped me out, yeah. like, I don't know, a few years ago when I was looking up the mummy and I was like, oh, that's, that's not Billy Zane? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, eventually, like, one of the zombies who would, uh, you know, basically run out of brains to consume in a location. George A. Romero drifted away from his project and uh, he was just not really interested in the direction it was going. So at this point, Jim Jackson, Sean Daniel cast the net and reeled in Clive Barker in 1990. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, this is a crazy story because it's like there's so many people who are involved. Yeah. So he wrote a treatment. And then in 1991, the co-writer of Hocus Pocus, Mick Garris, was brought in. Uh, and this was obviously pre-Hocus Pocus. And he uh, basically was hired to write a screenplay based on Clive Barker's treatment. And they were working together and stuff. And together, they pair, like the pair created this very bizarre and very twisted treatment. It was supposed to be like set in like a museum in Beverly Hills and stuff. And just like all sorts of crazy shit was going on. Jackson Daniel did actually love it, but... They thought it was a little weird and Universal, I think, thought it was a little too weird. And 
everyone mm. just sort of decided it would have been better suited for like a low budget film, you know, that, you know, no one ever saw. Uh, <laughs> and then Joe Dante entered the picture. <laughs> okay. With the, the idea that there would be a brooding mummy played by Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. And special effects legend Rick Baker would have been brought in <gasps> to bring the mummy to life. And it was actually close to getting made, I think, but in the end, Universal balked at the budget. So, back from the grave, like one of his infamous ghouls, George A. Romero crawled back into the picture in 1994 with another dark and violent tale that I think they were really close to making again, but he was uh, attached to another project with MGM and he wasn't able to get out of it, so he drifted away once again. And I think it was kind of a shame because I think like Mick Garris was talking about it. He had, I think, been brought back in to help write, you know, the script and stuff with Romero. And he was just like, yeah, like, you know, Romero was great. He was really, you know, felt bad for him because I think whatever it was that he was tied to with MGM didn't end up getting made anyway. So like it was just kind of a shame. Like that's the thing, like Romero, we talked about a little bit when we were going through, you know, the whole uh, zombie films of Romero, like own franchise go check that out. You know, it's in, mm-hmm. it's in our feed. Um, but yeah, like it's, it was kind of like an interesting thing of like Romero always struggling to kind of get to make the films that he wanted to make. And then a lot of things were falling through. He's got like almost like Kubrick, like a, an extreme amount of films that never actually happened, you know, sort of thing going on. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's, uh, sad. He, he, you know, they were all like, you know, Romero was awesome. It's like, he's very talented and stuff and it was just a shame. He would have made an, he would have made a pretty interesting version. I think. Of the yeah, movie. definitely. And then it was, uh, Mick Garris and Wes Craven being considered <sighs> to direct the film with Garris coming mm. back. They were still very much leaning into the yeah. horror yeah, aspect definitely. of it. Definitely. Um, yeah, and they, they, they basically were both like kind of considered to direct Mick Garris even came back to work on another script by this point. And it was in 1998 after Babe Pig in the City was a <laughs> notorious flop for Universal that the studio basically looking to, uh, you know, have a surefire hit. They start sending scripts and properties out to everybody, you know, just trying to see if something stuck and. One of the things they sent out was The Mummy, and it finally got into action when Stephen Sommers, who at this point was known for directing the Elijah Wood, uh, The Adventures of Huck Finn film. He did the Jungle Book live action film with Jason Scott Lee, which is pretty fun in my opinion. And he did <laughs> 1998's uh, Deep Rising, which was like sort of a pretty like popular uh, cult action horror film with Treat Williams. And, uh, he, he, you know, he sort of had a little bit of buzz about him by this point, And he got involved with this idea. It was basically like Indiana Jones meets Jason and the Argonauts. So you sort of hit it on the head when you said Ray Harryhausen. So it's like this it's there, man, type yeah. of action adventure story with basically the mummy giving the hero the hard time. And you enter <laughs> our hero, Rick O'Connell, an American adventurer who alongside Egyptologist Evelyn Canrahan inadvertently wakes up this evil mummy during a archaeological excavation at the ancient city of Hamnat, uh, 
Hamunoptra. I can't say it. Hamunoptra. <laughs> it was Hamunoptra. You got it. It was an epic story that plays off the original 1932 film, but with all the bells and whistles that would satisfy satisfy a 90s movie fan. But the only problem was who was going to play Rick O'Connell, and that's where we're getting into the cast here. Of course, Brendan Fraser would ultimately play Rick O'Connell, but before that, producers offered the role to. Tom Cruise, <laughs> oh, of course. Someone's petty. Back. He's like, I'm getting this back. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, and Ben Affleck. I guess both were coming off the back of uh, Goodwill Good Hunting. Will hunting. So. Goodwill Hunting too. Hunting scenes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of those guys were basically not available, or, or they weren't interested, and. After turning heads in Georgia the Jungle with his unique look and his humor and his box office drawing ability, Brendan Fraser basically was kind of getting to the point where he was, I mean, he wasn't there yet, but after this film, he definitely became one of the biggest stars on the planet. Um, Yeah, they tapped the man, the myth, the legend, Brendan Fraser, (laughs) to be Rick O'Connell. Yeah, so... He was known for doing a lot of his own stunts and stuff, like, and you can fucking tell. You could see it in this, in this film movie. as well. He's running around, he's jumping. Yeah. Tom Cruise ain't got shit on this dude. He's like throwing himself over fucking ledges mm. and like up against walls and into crowds. Right, hanging off like planes and fast like cars through crowds. Just fucking <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, like, you basically when I was watching, I was like, you could see why. I don't know if you like, uh, you know, heard about like, you know, all of his fucked injuries, up his body. fucked up his body and <laughs> yeah. stuff. But I was his just like, you could see, stuff. you could see it, yeah. and uh, like, yeah, again, commitment. It, that dude wants for this movie. He is fucking Rick O'Connor. Yeah, definitely. You know? Like, aside from you know the whole speaking out against like you know the whole sexual assault thing against a member of the Hollywood Hollywood uh, Foreign Press Association, like, which was one of the big reasons why Brenda Fraser kind of disappeared from the spotlight a bit. With blacklisted. Uh, It was because he was also trying to heal up from a number of years of doing stunts. Like he had a partial knee replacement, a, he had spinal surgery and he also had surgery on his vocal cords, which he's screaming like a motherfucker in this one as well. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the the running joke of him screaming. "Ah!" Uh-oh. Yeah, it was that like yeah, that really good point. Like part at the end where like the big group Wait, of the mummies, yeah, again. just all like scream at him. He's like, nah, <laughs> just like runs away. <laughs> I'm off. Yeah. yeah, um but yeah, he he was talking about it like in that like uh, actors on actors thing or whatever uh with Adam Sandler, just like talking about he's got like mm-hmm. a new like knee and all that shit and a new hip. So yeah, but like one stunt in particular actually did almost kill Brendan Fraser on the making of the Mummy, like. It was during the hanging scene. Sure. Um, they oh fuck, that looked fucking messed yeah, up. Yeah, like well. when he like drops, it looks like so hardcore. His neck it's like, didn't yeah, break. It's like gross, man. Like, ugh. and then he but yeah, hanging there for ages. Apparently, he couldn't uh, touch the ground with his toes or whatever, so he actually did end up choking himself out in that that little stunt. So yeah, it was like a like he said that it was uh, really scary. I remember seeing the camera uh, cameras start to pan around, and then it was like the black iris at the end of a silent film. I regained consciousness, and one of the EMTs was saying my name. 
And that's like all he kind of like remembers coming back. Just Brendan! Like, Brendan! <laughs> Brendan! <laughs> yeah. That's what he woke up to. Imagine that's like how you go, man, being hung on camera for the month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's not many better ways to die, you know? Definitely. Uh, Rachel Weiss plays Evelyn uh, Car- Carnrahan. I, th- I think I said Canrahan earlier, but it's Carnrahan. Fucking weird name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is actually a tribute to Lady Evelyn uh, Carnivon, who was the daughter of an uh, amateur Egyptologist named Lord Carnivon, who they were both like present at the uh, opening of the tomb of King Tut in 1922. Oh, so yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, they, Rachel Wright is great, but they did her dirty in this movie with those fucking eyebrows. <laughs> Julia was talking about the eyebrows the whole time. What did they like, do, man? They yeah. tweaked them to shit. It looks like Joey and Friends when he gets his eyebrows done. And they're just like, it looks That's weird. So it feels funny. like they had an idea to do like a sort of 30s hairstyle. Yeah. And then they went a bit too far. And then they had to keep matching it. Yeah, Julia it was like. Really weird. You she could tell, keep her eyebrows. Julia was like, you could tell it's the late 90s, you know, early 2000s with those eyebrows. And I was like, well, I mean, this is set in the 20s. I don't know if they were trying to, <laughs> trying to do like, you know, that sort of old school, like, I don't know, like screen star from the 1920s or 30s. But then Julia was just like, well, I mean, girls in the 90s used to do that shit as well. So I was just like, yeah, yeah I don't both. know. I don't know. <laughs> but they, that is really distracting. Yeah. It's really distracting in this movie. They originally wanted to cast an American to play like the part of Evelyn. Like it was the original idea was that she was American. And I mean, cause it's kind of confusing. Cause like Rick is like, he's hanging out with these legionnaires. It's like a bunch of French guys and stuff, but he's American. Mm. But like, I don't, I don't know. But like, yeah, I didn't even bother with yeah. like paying attention to that. I was like they know him and they use him and it's all good. Yeah. I mean, there's a, it's there's like a one, few things going on in this film that don't really make sense, but it doesn't really matter. Like, that's you what know, I mean. I, like what is, what is I, her brother doing the whole time? <laughs> like who's he just wants the gold. Yeah. He's the treasure seeker, right? <laughs> She's the librarian and he's the gunfire. Yeah. What I like, what I really like is that it's got that Shaun of the Dead thing where they're not the only group. Yeah. And then multiple Rick O'Connell. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? There's loads of dudes like him. Yeah. Like, and you can, they're with the American group for ages, and they have their own little punty British dude. Yeah. Um, the fucking dad from Jumanji. Um, and it's just, I like that. It's just, it's no, it's such a throwaway thing, but it's, it's like two, two of the same group meeting together. And they're just, the, they're just the same that these characters sort of exist. And you just happen to be following this group there and they're the good guys. Yeah. And these guys are assholes who get their fucking eyes ripped out. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, I'd like to think that like, you know, Rick O'Connell could actually just exist in the same universe as Indiana Jones. Like, you know, it's like, sure. Yeah. yeah. Those two yeah, could exactly. fight and that was just, each other. It was just the time. Yeah. Could it was just the time of people who were, like people who were going into old fucking um, old cities yeah. and tombs and shit with too much money and they were blowing up walls yeah. and they were going into other people's territories and stealing their like, treasure. Yeah, and, their, their yeah, and they needed people, they needed people to protect them. Yeah. And that's a fucking, 
Oh, Rick O'Connell type. I'm glad she. I'm glad Rachel Weisz sort of they kept her British because I like the running joke that they keep sort of making fun of Americans while like having him there, <laughs> yeah. just to like don't beastly American. Yeah. No, no offense. No. He's like, yep, yeah, none taken, but, and he just had to keep saying, <laughs> yeah. yep, none taken. Like I'm right fucking here yeah. though. Clearly, there's one one of us there. Good. Yeah, that's like uh, that's me every time I'm like in any conversation over here in the UK. It's like people talking shit about America, and I'm just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm like, like I know America like, sucks, but I mean, like, come on, dude. Like, you know, come on, Britain sucks. You know, you're just jealous because like, America just... rules. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. Um, what I like, what I also um, like, what I thought was interesting, because we almost did. We talked about doing George's Jungle yeah. as well, which is obviously another star-making turn, mm. another banger. You should go see it. I remember it being good. It might not be. Their relationship kind of reminds me of uh, George and um, I forget her name and thing. It's Leslie Mann, yeah, but I forget. Yeah. I, like uh, I but completely forgot Leslie Mann was in that until like the other day. I was thinking <laughs> about George of the Jungle. I didn't even look it up, but I just remembered. I was like, "Fuck, Leslie Mann was in that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like the the uh, Rick and Evelyn sort of love story mm. for some reason kind of it's got like Tarzan Jane yeah, vibes. Yeah, yeah. He's not like an idiot, but like, you know, but there's sort of that level to it that I think is quite sweet. Yeah. Like, you know, he. It's kind of interesting, all three of these characters, with the exception of like, there is. I mean, but that that's this this kind of ties into what makes this film better. And Rachel Vice as like Evelyn is kind of like, and we already talked about how they like give her more agency and she's like, mm-hmm. she breaks the mold of a, you know, typical like, you know, damsel in distress. But like all three of these characters, so John Hanna plays her brother, um, and that's I think they rewrote her once they gave the you know the job to Rachel Vice because they you know she won them over. She was great. She you know, mm-hmm. and they sort of rewrote the character for her to be the British sister of John Hanna, who plays her brother Jonathan in the film. But like you know, those three characters together are almost like Indiana Jones because like you have Rick O'Connell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's like the badass sort of hero who looks good and just like is a good fighter but like also like you know get his ass kicked but he's smart he gets you know shit done rachel vice being the egyptologist she's like actually just really smart the expert, the expert yeah. which indiana jones is an expert he's you know a teacher he's a, and an archaeologist yeah uh, and then archaeologist and then you have john hannah who just wants the fucking treasures and stuff the treasure seeker which is also what Indiana Jones is always about being a treasure hunter. Yeah, so. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, it's kind of funny, like these three characters together, but like, you know, like I said, then there's like, there's always sort of like a female, uh, very, like in Indiana Jones, particularly at times can be pretty useless. It's just the way they were written just to be the love interest. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a shame, especially when you read about, you know, you know, Oh, younger, younger. younger. <laughs> I don't know. Younger. Rachel yeah. Weiss, uh, you know, she was pretty good, and uh, she should have been she old. She was a little bit me. old. I, you know, if anything, I would have. I think she should have been sixteen. One a little bit younger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he saw Fuck it early. Me. Like, the, I mean, you know, he he definitely saw some of this shit. You know, because ILM was yeah. working on this film. 
And I think like this it was coming out fucking way better than Phantom Menace. It was coming Menace. out the exact same time as Phantom Menace. But yeah, yeah. Uh, John Hanna said that he was confused why they cast him. Like he just kept, he was just so confused. He was like, "I'm not a." It's like, why am I? He's like, "I'm not funny. I'm not a comedic actor. This role is." Oh, he's but really he funny. Is, yeah, he's stuff. so funny. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Arnold Vosloo, yeah, playing Imhotep. Uh, John Jax had actually worked with him, one of the producers on uh, Hard Target. So that's how he got involved. Mm. Uh, he liked the script, but he told Stephen Sommers that he wanted to play the role basically just absolutely straight. And from Imhotep's point of view, this is like a skewed version of Romeo and Juliet. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. It, you could see it. He definitely plays it straight because it is pretty like, it is pretty goofy all around it. And he's like pretty serious. You know, and like you said, he's just after his girl, you know. Um, mm. But yeah, he was offered the role after a single audition. And it's kind of like, this kind of made me laugh because. They were like, how how big can you open your mouth? <laughs> how, big, how wide oh. can you open your mouth? And he did it. And they were like, holy yeah. shit. You think you're the mummy. Fit an orb in there? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of orb? You'll find out. Yeah, like. Um, or maybe like a he jar. He lost 10 to 15 jar. pounds. <laughs> For for this film, because he was really self conscious about like his weight and stuff, he had to be naked. He, he had to be naked, naked the whole time. Yeah, it man. was kind of funny. Oh, like in that one scene where he looks like he's basically just in a pair of boxer shorts, and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, when he's fighting <laughs> Brendan Fraser at the end, it's uh, ridiculous. Jesus Christ! Yeah, he cut out all alcohol and sugar. You know, and that was kind of interesting because, like, you know, I did that. I lost a bit of weight, and I'm gained it back because I stopped. No, I didn't gain it all that way back, but uh, I started gaining weight back and then I went back on just actually this week, just like I've been really strict and I'm going to ruin it. I'm calling a snack time. <laughs> There's something about that look you gave to me. I know you can only need one thing. It's snack time. In the morning. It's snack time. In the Snack time. I can't wait for you. It's snack time. To say those words to me. It's snack time. It's snack time. It's snack time. Snack time. What? 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 Oh, you breaking it? Uh, well, it? the sugar what part because I'm trying not to eat as much sugar. But uh, you know, I don't know. This is it was hard. You and I both were talking about this, and it was just like fucking hard to find uh something for the mummy. I don't know. Like if it was Halloween time, Phil, like I would have, it would have been easy. Oh, we would have smashed. We, it. You know, there was there definitely would have been some mummy related like snack or something like that you know some chocolate mummy like you know even if it was like a bunch of different monsters on it you know there would have been a mummy one it would have been easy so i i told you i went walking around asda you were saying that you were looking <laughs> where were you saying you were at the the corner shop at the corner shop and i was just looking for agent yeah. in the aisle and the the lady behind the counter just staring at me <laughs> just asked me like three times be like can i help and i was like no i'm just looking <laughs> I can't explain, hey, I do a podcast and I'm looking for like a bug themed, mummy themed. Have you seen the mummy? Do you know any snacks that could work with that? And she's like, I don't know, a fucking wrap. 
And I'm just like, no, because you've only got chicken and I don't eat meat. And it's just, oh, God. Damn I was thinking it. about that exact same thing. That's so funny. Like, I was walking through Asda and I walked down all these aisles and there was like, you know, this woman, I didn't have a basket or anything. I must have looked so suspicious. And this woman was working there. And she just kept like watching me. And I felt like she was following me in different aisles because I was just like slowly looking at almost everything, just trying to find something. And I was just like, God damn, there's like nothing here. And then I was just thinking like, <laughs> what if I just asked this guy? He's like, hey, man, I do this podcast. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, no, no, no one wants to No, don't do that. Me. So, yeah, I just was walking around. And finally, I went to this section. Luckily, I'm over here in West London. And there's a good amount of like sort of middle eastern mediterranean style like foods and stuff and you know there's a lot of like mm. you know there's things i could have gone for in like these little local shops but um i i decided to f- settle on this because like i went to this little section that's like on this back wall in the asda my local area and they had this thing called mamul which is a uh Date-filled cookie. It sort of looks like a Fig Newton, but like with mm. date inside. And I wouldn't have gotten it, you know, normally. But I was looking around and I saw is it, from that Egypt? it is actually, is it going to say on here? Yeah, yeah. Product of Egypt. Oh, shit. So. He, boy, get out on a technicality. here. That was the thing, you know, I was like, oh, it's all fucked up inside. I was like thinking, yeah, I could get, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like some sort of little Middle Eastern snack or something like that. You know, there's a bunch of Lebanese places around me. But I was like, you know, mm. proper product of Egypt here. It's all fucked up. Mm. So, but what? Oh, man. Did you sit on it? No. It's just been sitting <laughs> on my desk. <laughs> Smells, I don't know. Okay, it, it looks like a Fig Newton sort of biscuity sort of thing. All right, let's go for it. Oh, it's stuffed. Oh, it's stuffed chew. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think? It's okay. It's kind of like the dry. It doesn't have like sand. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's not too bad. Um, thankfully, because I've got like ten more of them. <laughs> I have to eat um, these motherfuckers. Yeah, it was a now. whole fucking box of them. Um, yeah, I don't know. It kind of has that Fig Newton vibe. I don't know if you've ever had a Fig Roll Fig Newton. Um, it's sort of that vibe, but like, it doesn't have as much of a... Str- I thought it would have a very sweet date flavor, but it kind of doesn't. <laughs> kind of plain? Yeah. It's kind of plain. It's not bad. It's just kind of like... Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, it's mid, man. It's just very mid. mid. How many fed hats do you give it? <laughs> um, two and a half. Middle of right the Right down the middle. middle it's not bad. Road. It really isn't bad. Like if you had one of these, you know, you know, you're out on a walk. Someone had them in a bag. They gave it to you. You'd be like, this looks oh, sus. Cool. You have it. And you're like, actually, it's not bad. E- not bad. Egypt, that's sus. <laughs> um, I have um, taken a page out of your book. Uh, but I was this. This was something I was gonna get for the for the next episode. Yeah. I was like, but then I got another idea for that one. So instead, I, I just swapped it for this. I was like, this will work because we're talking Egypt. We're yeah. talking it's hot. It's you know in the desert, lots of 
hot, right? Did you get like, flaming hot Doritos? <laughs> I got chili heat wave Doritos. <laughs> I almost got che- I know I've done flaming hot Cheetos at one point, and yeah. you had Doritos the other day. Yeah, and, you're and it made me want Doritos. About Doritos. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh yeah, the chili one, perfect. Heat wave, heat, can it hot? It's like can three it weeks. Sunny. Yeah. Like sunny in the desert, sure. and it's like hot, and this is like hot crisp. Sure. I made it, right? Yeah. That's good enough. I mean, dude, to be honest, I don't blame you. It was fucking hard. Fuck it. The mummy was, was hard. hard. It was really hard. Not even like a... Oh, dude. I should have got a Toblerone, man. It's like pyramid. I shape. was thinking about a Toblerone, dude. I was really close to getting Toblerone, but I was like, man, this is fucking Switzerland. And I had like <laughs> this this box in my hand that was like, you know, Egypt. I was like, yeah, let's go for Egypt. You know, all this bit here... It's a bit buttery flavored, you know. It's not too bad, but it, mm. it it is starting to be a bit like sand. So yeah, just this is so on sand. point. I'm just eating a bag of sand here. <laughs> how how are your Doritos? They are good. Can't go wrong with a bag of Doritos. It's not my fave flavor. Yeah, I'm not into the flaming hot shit. We, we've um, we've talked about this before. I don't like that mm. fake fucking hot bullshit. Fake. <laughs> I I do like it, but um, you know, Dorito, you know, just the other one hit. Mm. Cooler Ridge and the Tangy Chew should hit better. Yeah. Um, Cooler Ridge. Get this is good. Some- <laughs> <laughs> whatever you call, whatever. That's what it's called here. It's called California it's man called here. It's called Cool Ranch in America. Okay. Okay. We don't have lunch here. Um, you know, the only thing is sometimes it's that like we do, but it's hard to find good ranch stores. Um, you know, like sometimes they're light on the dust, which I don't appreciate because I like yeah. to like, you know, lick it. I like to suck on them. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> don't take that weird. No, you know exactly what I meant. Sprinkle that Dorito dust on it for flavor. You know what I mean? But I wipe my hand clean afterwards. Yeah. I'm not going to pull a Dave here from California, man. Yeah, Dave. We're not playing shit. <laughs> Dave fucking... Yeah, but you're in the privacy of your own loser. home. That is a single person bag. You know, there's mm. no one you're sharing it with. You can lick your fingers if you want. Imagine I go to work just with a giant bag, with <laughs> hand in it, serving people. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's fucking Sean Ashton yeah. in California. Yeah, yeah. These are pretty good, though. They're good. They are good. I love Doritos. No, whatever in any form they come. Yeah. All right. Well, how many? I mean, you. We started. How many orbs are you giving? <laughs> Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Solid. I thought it was not my fave. Because it's not your fave. All right. Fair not enough. my fave. On a good on a different day where I'm like really craving something mm. hot, you could bump it up to a four. But right now, three and a half. That feels right. Well, speaking of faves, Phil, uh, one of your faves is uh, PTA, right? Uh-huh. You like seeing Kevin J. O'Connor, who is in uh, There Will Be Blood, playing Vinny. Dude, like, Britain Fraser. very mixed feelings. Rick O'Connell should have killed Benny, man. He should have so killed times. that motherfucker. He did try. He threw him off. The, he threw him overboard. Should have killed that motherfucker. You're on the wrong yeah. side of the river. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean the character's like despicable and he's meant yeah. to be. But I just had a problem with it because I'm just like, I know this dude from Derby Blood. This is a white American dude yeah. playing like this funny foreigner character <laughs> yeah. with this sort of yeah. unidentifiable accent. Yeah. 
who also makes fun of other languages at one point. And it just, I don't know. I don't know, with the with the bad teeth and everything, there's something about the character that felt like slightly offensive to me, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. But he's good in it. Yeah. And Benny and you know, Benny does get his come up in the most like poetic way. He's literally buried with the fucking treasure and greed killed him in the end. Yeah. Like, I kinda loved that. I kinda liked when he went like and the, weird and the fucking bug. emo sort of vibe. Like he he's he was like wearing all black. He looked like he had like guy liner on and stuff when he was like, you know when he starts working, working for, for the mummy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Funny. Translating for him. Yeah. Uh yeah, you already mentioned Jonathan Hyde. He plays Dr. Alan Chamberlain, you know, from the uh he had films. one of he had one of the many films. He had one of the funniest moments. Well just like I was like, oh my God, where the camera like doomed it when she reads from the book and he it doomed in on him and he's like, what have we done? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, oh my God, really? Yeah. Like there's just lots of, mo- there's lots of moments like that that take you out. You're like, oh, it's like going a bit too, f- it takes like a step too far. Yeah. But in general, it rides the line pretty well. There's quite, a, one of the funniest quite a few people in this film, like, you know, that are in, they're just in a bunch of stuff. You know, there's like the guy from Mr. Deeds is in this shit, like, um, you know, there's just so many people. The only other person I've written down is Odid uh, Farah, who plays uh, He's Artis so Bay. cool, man. Yeah. I love Odid Bay. He's fucking cool, man. He's I'm so glad he lived. He's total, like, total hottie, isn't he, man? Like, I think he was supposed to have, like, uh, more shit the on his tats. face, more tats mm. on his face, because, like, in real life, the character that he was sort of playing that sort of... Uh, I can't remember what, like, they're like a tribe the major? or something. Um, yeah, the major, yeah. I think they're called in the movie. Yeah. I love them. They just, they're dressed in black, riding on horseback, mm. protecting really cool. the sacred ground. Really cool. I think Stephen Sommers was like, yeah, he was supposed to have a lot more, like, facial tattoos, but he was just, like, too good looking. I couldn't cover him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So It'd true. It'd be a crime. So true. Ahmed Jalili in this as well, and he's really good. Yeah. Um, Really funny. He didn't gladiate as well. He, comedian, he didn't budget that yeah. I found him really funny in this. And the guy, I really liked the guy who played the pilot. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, Winston. Like Winston Churchill guy. <laughs> that, was just such a, that was just such a nice little thing to pay off. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he did a scene like halfway through yeah. and you're like, oh, this drunken Air Force guy who sort of is stuck in Egypt and he didn't get to die in a blaze of glory during the war like all his brothers. <laughs> and then he gets a chance to do that. Yeah. With Rick and he died with like a smile on his face. I just thought a really nice moment in a movie like this. I like that. I thought it was really well done. I like that shot as well because it's sort of like the plane just disappears over the um over like the little hill, so you don't really yeah, yeah, get yeah. to see it properly explode. It's just this sort of like <laughs> like from behind this mountain or whatever. I love that funny. shot. Yeah, I really like that shot. Yeah. Well, filming for the Mummy began in May of 1998 and it lasted 17 weeks. Due to political conditions at the time, the crew was unable to shoot in Egypt. So filming was done in Marrakesh, Morocco. Due to Marrakesh being less modern than Cairo at the time, it was actually working out to the crew's advantage when they were setting the film for the 1920s. So they took two weeks to set the city, taking down telephone wires and cables and shipping in period cars and camels. To be honest, man, that car that Rick is driving around in, it's like the yellow. It's like oh, it, it's like a cartoon yellow convertible. Yeah, like a cartoon car. It's like the car from Mojo. Yeah, dude, for real. It's so yeah, it's so like it's just like doesn't look real. Uh, filming was also done in the Sahara Desert, where exteriors for Hamanoptera were constructed. 
The crew had to battle extreme heat, deadly snakes, and scorpions while in the desert, as well as having to take out terrorist insurance policies, which I'm not too sure most of the cast and crew knew about. I think like it was the heads up knew that there was like, you know, basically we're taking out insurance policies on everyone. Just in, Just case. in case if a camel goes like, you know, into Algeria, you know, and you get caught by one of the local organizations out there and you're never mm-hmm. heard from again. Uh, yeah. Like apparently there was a snake. It was like this yellow dotted snake or whatever that they were warned about. And Brendan Fraser said he was like, you know, he was draining his snake one day and uh, huh. he, he noticed this sort of yellow spotted snake just slithering along and he's just like freaked the fuck out and ran away. <laughs> Probably pissed himself. Um, yeah. And then they, of course, just dripping down. Did a lot of the shooting here in the UK as well, like uh, in Shepperton Studios. Uh, I guess anything that for a Hominopter or whatever, like all those, they basically created sort of like replicas, interiors and stuff inside of Shepperton Studios. Uh, Stephen Somers told Entertainment Weekly that at one point the studio wanted to make the entire movie for about $15 million, to which he responded, I'm going to need that for the visual effects alone. And that is exactly how much it costs. The visual effects done by Industrial Light and Magic uh, was about $15 million. They were hired to work on the visual effects and bring the mummy to life on screen. ILM, led by supervisor John Andrew Burton Jr., worked on more than 140 special effects shots, with additional shots done by Cinecite and Pacific Title and Mirage. They toyed with, around with uh, numerous designs for The Mummy as Stephen Sommers didn't want the film to be too much of like a horror film. And also they mm. couldn't make him too gooey and gory to ma- if they wanted to maintain that PG-13 rating. So Arnold Vosloo basically had to do many scenes in a performance capture costume and he was later replaced with the CGI character. And Brendan Fraser also helped out things a lot because basically they that big climatic fight scene at the end where he's fighting all the mummies. He basically choreographed that thing. Like, you know, I don't know if he did a lot of the choreograph, like choreography himself in that fight scene, but it was, Mm. I've read it that way. It was kind of interesting. Like it seemed like he had a lot of hands on, like with that fight scene and he actually learned it all in like two days. And he mimed out the whole thing where they were literally fighting, like he's fighting a combination of guys in motion capture suits. And then it, sometimes he's fighting absolutely nothing. And the CGI artists, it looks so good, they dude. were able to add in these like, you know, digital mummies basically mm. that he was fighting in post. And they used a combination of suits that were designed by makeup effects supervisor, Nick Dudman. And they scanned that into the computer and they combined parts of Emotep's mummy, basically like the face and stuff to save them time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Mm -hmm. they credited Brendan Fraser's ability to reenact his movements to near perfection in multiple takes as saving time when it came to match the motion capture digital mummies to the live action fight. Same every time. He was apparently just perfect. (laughs) That that scene, that's the that's the scene I was referencing when I was like very hairy out, and it's very much like a scene out of Jason and yeah. Argonaut. It feels like it's like it's one shot, it's like panning around the room. It's so cool, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just him fucking taking out loads of fucking digital <laughs> yeah. mummies. But like, it looks pretty yeah, good. Because again, there's a few like real people like who yeah. grab him and stuff, and 
Uh, there's another show, I think it's after that, actually, that I really like, where he's fighting one, and he puts his sword back. Oh, yeah, and he stabs the guy, and he has one. the head, and it just, yeah. like, slams. And then he... <laughs> Yeah, I so love good. that. I love yeah. that. But that shot where yeah, him going around and him fucking taking out the mummy not like that. Fucking cool. That Rick O'Connell yeah. right there. There's a lot of like gunplay in this as well, which is kind of fun. Like Rick O'Connell just being sort of this like expert shot and stuff. And he's just shooting around. He's got his like his yeah, rifles. Yeah. He's got his handguns. Uh, but like when yeah. he has a golden sword, it's like, fuck yeah, dude. Fucking rad. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. But there's a moment where he like, he's like, going into the the mummy's chambers or whatever. And they're kind of like, I can't remember if it's like after those like beetle fucking things come out or whatever, but they're like getting ready to go in. It's heading towards the final like climatic scene. And Jonathan like takes his uh, handguns and they just start like, he starts yeah, shooting. Like it. he just steals his handguns and starts shooting and stuff. And at one point, he, I guess, runs out of bullets and he just chucks one of the guns. He throws one? I would have been like, I motherfucker, like, why would you throw I've that? got bullets, Don't man. Like, why are you throwing this shit? <laughs> That's not how guns work. <laughs> I've got more ammo, dude. Also, they, they were all, like clearly told numerous times that the guns weren't going to work on the mummy because he's like, and, and they're still, still shooting at him. Throughout it's the like, movie. Oh, whatever. <laughs> just run. <laughs> I do love the bit with John Hanna running to the car. And a bunch of the slaves. Oh yeah, out, yeah. Who were just like emo yeah. tap, and he just stopped and joined. Yeah, them. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then like yeah. turned it out. I love That's, that bit. That was so those cool. Those bits like are so like zombie movie like vibes, or or like yeah, it yeah. reminds me a lot of like Prince of Darkness, like all the like. I don't know if you've seen Prince of Darkness because we were talking about like you know some of these no. Carpenter films and stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know if we'll get to them this year or not, but we we you know we were talking about it and. Uh, Prince of Darkness is like phenomenal, but there's like a lot of these like shots of these guys, uh, like all these homeless people that start showing up outside this church and stuff. And they're just all like, just basically just slaves to the devil or something in a way, like, you know, just standing there all creepy. And it mm. really reminded me of that. Like those guys just like, <laughs> kind of creepy. With the boils and yeah. swords. I love the, the, the plague, him bringing yeah, the, dude, plague. the plagues. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was really cool. And they like followed it up and there was like a few different ones. That yeah. was cool. It reminded me of uh, Knock at the Cabin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that episode's out by now. I don't know. I had, at the time yeah. of recording this, I've been lazy and I haven't edited it yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, one thing I did like about this movie was the score, man. The score by Jerry Goldsmith. I thought it was pretty fucking rad. Yeah. Like it. Yeah, it's really cool. Really yeah, it really reminded really well me of like, oh, I guess it was because of the time, but it really reminded me of like Batman and Robin or like Batman Forever, Those that style. And I am I know those films are stupid and cheesy, but the scores are kind of cool. I like the music from those films. And it was sort of reminded me of like Elliot Goldenthal's score from those movies. Um, he used a uh, compilation of like European orchestra and a, then a, just a bunch of regional instruments to create this score. Uh, he basically had like all these different instruments, like a, a bazooki and stuff like that, to kind of give it this Egyptian vibe. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was a pretty cool score. It feels pretty nice and epic and stuff, you know. Um, it's not like you know one of those like you know, all timer scores, but it, it works in the film. Mm-hmm. The Mummy was released in May of 1999. Test audiences reacted poorly to the film, so Universal didn't think that it would do too well. 
So to drum up some interest, this is sort of uh, relatively uh, timely to talk about because there was a lot of people buying some interesting Super Bowl spots on television. But uh, yeah, they took out an ad during the Super Bowl, which reportedly cost them $1.6 million. And Stephen Summers basically believed that that really shifted the tide in interest. Uh, they did still fear the imminent release of The Phantom Menace, however, thinking that it would sink them at the box office. And it caused them to move the release date from the 21st of May to the 7th of May, 1999. Nevertheless, the film opened at number one in its opening weekend, taking $43 million. And it would later fall to second behind the affirmation, The Phantom Menace, but still managed to gross $155.4 million in the U.S. and Canada with an additional $251 million internationally for a worldwide total of $416.4 million on an $80 million budget. So definitely not big bad. fucking deal for Brendan <laughs> Fraser. Big fucking big money, money. especially at that time. Uh, critics, though, like you, you were saying, they were pretty mixed on the film. Uh, Roger Ebert said that uh, basically he gave it a, a positive review. It's kind of a weird one, though. He said, there is uh, hardly a thing I can say in its favor, except for that I was cheered by nearly every minute of it. I cannot argue for the script, the direction, the acting, or even the mummy. But I could say I was not <coughs> bored, and sometimes I was unreasonably pleased. <laughs> There it's you go. true though you know he's just like i liked it but i won't admit yeah that it's good. yeah it's like that's why he's like got. i don't want to like you know i don't want to get caught out you know if someone's like oh it's not cool yeah. to like this film you know because like you see that fucking mom that's what crit- that, that's what that's what it feels like with like, yeah. like critics where it's just like they're afraid to like actually stick out an opinion on something that they know isn't yeah. great. Um, because it's like, well, I'll see what the tide, you know, you wait for the tide to come in, the general consensus to come in, and then you can sort of fit yeah. either way. That's why you get like all the, like when there's like preview screenings and like first reviews come out of a film and they're usually like quite positive because people are sort of reacting without any yeah. expectation or um, sort of pre- like pre-knowledge of what to, you know, like, yeah, what others think of it. And then the film comes out and yeah. people shit on it. Usually because it's just like, oh, this person said it's shit, or this person said it's shit. No one has no one. Not saying that the film isn't shit. That's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. how it happened. With, like I read reviews where I'm just like, is it good or not? <laughs> it feels like you said both and you just like, you don't want to say yeah. either because you don't want to have an opinion, even though it's literally your job to have an opinion. Not on us movie. though. No, no, we don't have no, an opinion. But we, no, we we uh, we'll gladly say Halloween oh, yeah. ends. It filmed stuck. Loved it. Loved it. Not good. Loved it. <laughs> Moonfall. <laughs> Didn't watch it. Loved it. Uh, Loved it. Old. old? Yeah. Hated it. Knock the it. cabin. It was alright. <laughs> uh, I liked half of it. What else? Indiana Jones three, four. 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 Indiana Jones four. <laughs> Fucking loved, loved it. it. <laughs> loved it. Part time. <laughs> loved it. <laughs> and I'm excited for the new one. Hit me up, man. That's one of the things I'm most excited about this year because I miss that kind of movie. Yeah, hopefully it's fun. Yeah, trailer. Is it James fun. Mangold doing it? Is that who it is? Did yeah. he do Wolverine? Yeah, yeah, James Mangold. 
He did the yeah Wolverine and the, the yeah Logan. Logan. Logan and yeah. he did the yeah, yeah I like I loved Logan. Logan. Um, it, and he did the Ford Ferrari. Yeah, I didn't see. Which I didn't see. It wasn't but really that's my, him. I don't give a shit about cars. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mummy. Some critics viewed the mummy as a breezy uh, crowd pleaser, where others felt the Indiana Jones inspired action film felt forced. And some felt that ILM's work on the special effects was too similar to other films and not enough to carry the movie. So, yeah, it was sort of mixed. Um, but as time went on, you know, the 20th anniversary was just a few years ago. Many modern reviewers were praising it. Like you were saying, it all comes fucking full circle. People are just like, yeah, I love it. No. And everybody was praising Brendan <laughs> Fraser's charm and, you know, that it carried the movie and it was really like, you know, basically Indiana Jones for a new generation. So <laughs> but that's that's what I <laughs> felt when I was watching. It. it was like, this shit's Indiana Jones, man. This is like, it's fun. It's like more people should be talking about this. Like, you know, like, cause yeah. it's out there. It's not that old. It still exists. It still holds up. It's still really fun. Um, yeah. And the sentiment was that like Brendan Fraser basically set the new mold for the modern action hero. And that, you know, more and more films that would follow in the years after basically took on that mold and that Evelyn broke free of the traditional damsel in distress role. So like, you know, a lot of that stuff is sort of like praised, you know, in the modern gaze. Uh, but of course, with the success of the mummy, the film, regardless if uh, critics liked it or not, would you know basically turn into its own little franchise. We've already sort of talked about. We had the Mummy Returns, released in two thousand one, which would see the rise of Dwayne the Rock Johnson in Hollywood <laughs> as the Scorpion King, and that itself spawned its own little franchise with the Rock reprising his role in the prequel, The Scorpion King, in two thousand two. And then that had a numerous little, like numerous low budget sequels, you know, pop off that The Rock wasn't in, uh, <laughs> that I'd never seen any of them. <laughs> but and then in 2008, a film I still haven't seen, uh, Brendan Fraser reprised his role as Rick O'Connell opposite Jet Li. Yeah, I never saw this yeah, one. This one, one would take uh, O'Connell to, Ch- to China, to China. Uh, where he would face off against a, I guess, Chinese mummy? I don't know. The mummy tomb (laughs) of the dragon emperor. Uh, And yes, of course, there is the aforementioned 2017 reboot with Tom Cruise that Universal was hoping was going to launch into its dark universe, but that shit bombed and the dark universe was scrapped. (laughs) And it should be. It now now it's the opposite, man. Like now you gotta go the other way. Like the whole point of the nineties mummy was like this like quiet, suspenseful horror yeah. movie black and white horror movie. We're not gonna do that. Mm. Like we're part like culture past yeah. that. We're gonna do this big over the top action movie and it could be really fun. Uh and the mum the Tom Cruise one were trying to do that, but without any of the lightheartedness, without any of the sort of self awareness. Yeah. It was trying to be this big blockbuster but like a spirit like a very self-serious one and it's like i think you should go the other way now like with um i didn't see it but i heard it was good the new invincible man yeah they went they yeah, made yeah. it they made it small again and i think they need to do that with those sort of movies to sort of you know get eyes on them again because another fucking big blockbuster is just going to fall into the void, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we sort of started this conversation, you know, sort of talking about how 
a lot of the problem is that like everything's just trying to set itself up for like a big fucking franchise. And yeah, if you just sort of, you know, just make it small again, just think about one film at a time, you know, think maybe, you know, you can think maybe like, Oh, I can like work on sort of an idea how this could lead somewhere else, you know, write yourself an out somehow, but at the same time, you know, just sort of focus on, you know, the integrity of that one film you're working on mm-hmm. and just like make it fun. And that's another, yeah, it's another thing. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not hating on the Marvel films for like, they certainly have their moments where they make things fun. You know, I think sometimes they try a little too hard to make things funny, which I've talked about before on here, but like, <laughs> but at the same time, like they're, they're aware of themselves and, you know, it's self-referential at times and it can be kind of fun and that's all good and dandy, but like, it's like, it's not really Marvel I'm talking about here because they have their own thing and they're established and they're doing their own thing, but it's like mm. all the other companies out there who are trying to cash in on the next fucking Avengers franchise. And it's just like, yeah. it's not going to happen. Just like. It, you can't force you it. can't force yeah. it yeah like it's like you can't sit down and write a fucking hit song you just gotta like fucking play shit pops out of nowhere you know it's like that's it, i don't know like you know you just gotta take chances man like no one uh, yeah it feels like no one really makes these fun sort of silly like over the top like i don't know like just dumb movies like sometimes it, it can just be dumb and just have fun with it and that's sort mm. of what the mummy is it has it it like, you know, the spirit there, you're, it's just a dumb good time. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it is a breezy crowd pleaser. Like, you know, it's just Definitely, like, it's, yeah. it's chill. You know, you have a lot of fun, interesting set pieces and like, you know, an interesting story and stuff and like characters that people can like, but no one's taking it too serious. Everybody's having fun. It's just a good time. I, th- I feel like there's not enough films like that these days. Like everything has to be like so serious and dark and like, mm-hmm. Fuck, man, the color grading of everything these days is just like fucking pitch black. Like, you know. Yeah, washed out gray. That's a very, like, like this one is very bold and vibrant considering it's very much one sort of color palette. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's never, boy, it's never like washed out. It's like yeah. bright orange and brown and beige and like brown. Yeah, like, and they really make use of it. It's even got like the, the shots at night are very like Mad Max. It's got mm-hmm. that lovely like blue tint to it. Yeah. Having, yeah. having said all that, though, would you be down for like another Mummy movie if they did like a Mummy Four and they brought every everybody come back? Yeah, dude, for sure. Because like I, I feel like that. it'd be like just like older, rugged, the excitement you know, of a new, you know, like I don't know, like a uh, excitement of a new Indiana Jones and stuff. You know, it's like yeah. I, I'm totally fine for that. Like you know, as long as it's put in the hands of someone who's going to like, you know, treat it with respect. And it's not just like a total, like, you know, money grab, which it will be anyway. That's all any sequel is whatever. But Mm -hmm. like, you know, just leave. I don't know. I don't even care if it's a money grab, just have fun, just have fun with it. Just like, I don't know. We, (laughs) I don't want to see like them, like create a mummy. Like this is the worst part. It's like, if they create a mummy, sequel but then try to bring in these younger characters and try to like that's exactly seem like you know that's gonna what it's gonna be it's gonna be cool it's, like, it's gonna be on. about rick and evelyn kids yeah. you know it is that's every single one of yeah. these fucking like that, i mean that was part shit. of the problem with indiana jones 4 i remember like uh because shia labeouf was like big shit at the time i know he's sort of like ruined, yeah. he's ruined his career a bit but you know i sure, i did sure. really like shia LaBeouf. i was a huge even stevens fan uh, Me too. Yeah, yeah. I thought ter- like Transformers was okay. 
he had Disturbia the okay. at the time. Like, so he, he had like a really yeah. interesting career that he was forming for himself. And I was really excited, like, you know, for Indy uh, four. And like, I thought he was all right as much. Like he has, a, he's got a cool look. He had a cool look. But they in that were film, doing but it. They were trying yeah, and it. They were doing it back then. They were trying it there, but they, they were doing it before that was the trend yeah. as well. And, but they were just, they were thinking ahead. They were like, it didn't feel, I feel like that one, balanced it a bit it feels like it set itself up for more mm-hmm. if they wanted but they didn't because i feel like they really could have done more like i'm yeah. pretty sure the movie did well enough to do another one but and the way it ended like you know he goes to put on the hat and harrison ford takes it off him and he's like and puts it back on and he's just like it's almost like a not yet yeah. moment <laughs> not where it's like i'm still indiana jones yeah. and that's a good way to end it and I think this new one is just going to be like Phoebe Waller-Bridge is your fucking new Indiana yeah, Jones. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, is she? <laughs> or just CGI fucking, it's going to be young, yeah. you know, young face Harrison Ford. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to be open about it. I feel like for years 80, they've been and trying. And it's not him doing any of that yeah. shit. I feel like for years they've been trying to like recast Indiana Jones. Like, you know, because it was that whole was period of time. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt for a was, long time. And everybody was like, fuck off. <laughs> Well, especially now, no. especially now, I think especially like back now. then when it was pitched around, it was sort of, it was sort of like, you know, back in the day when everybody was like, oh man, Tim Burton do like an Alice in Wonderland. And then he finally, he finally <laughs> does not you're like, fuck no, this like, shit, not that, no. not that. Uh, not and that. that would be like the, like today, if they do an Indiana Jones, like a new one and it's Chris Pratt and you're like, nah, son. <laughs> nah. Ah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, regardless if we will ever see another mummy, you can catch the first two mummy <laughs> films, The Mummy and The Mummy Returns, in 35mm at the Prince Charles Cinema on the 7th of April. Uh, it's coming back. We're running it back. It did really well the last time. Obviously, that was uh, the one where, you know, we didn't publicize it, but Brendan Fraser showed up, said hi to everyone. Just so you never anyway. know what's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Don't, don't get tickets thinking... Brendan Fraser is going to be there because uh, 99.9% sure he won't be. But uh, hey, you know, like Jim Carrey said in Dumb and Dumber, so you mean there's a chance? No, there's not a chance. It's not <laughs> happening. No. But but you can still come see these two films in 35 millimeter. I mean, you know, the first one's fucking fun. We just spent an hour and a half talking about it. Um, but yeah, the sequel, I'm sure you're going to have fun with it as well. And plus the rock is the first fucking movie. Why not? You know, raise an eyebrow to that. Um, but yeah, next week, <laughs> raise an eyebrow to that. Huh? Phil, <laughs> we could venture into 2001 or the mummy returns. We got one more week of the Brennazons, mm. but, uh, but we're not, we're not going to do that. We decided to take a look at 2000, a 2000 Brendan Fraser film, which is, very much in line with the uh, quirky kinds of films that Brendan Fraser is sort of known and loved for. It's kind of weird. He's got a weird career. And I think it's going to be interesting to talk about (laughs) next week as we make a deal with the devil and Harold Ramis' remake of Bedazzled. I'm not going to lie. So stoked. So stoked. (laughs) I'm so stoked. (laughs) I'm holding out. Holding I'm up. not saying anything till next week. Yeah. Well, we'll get there when we get there. Um, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Everybody just, just you know, enjoy. Get off our get backs. Get off our backs. You know, 
we're running gonna, for mummy. It's gonna be yeah. out next week. Chill out. Yeah, we're like, and we're, and we're, and then now we'll be, we'll stop talking about Brendan Fraser. Yeah, okay, Jesus, you can calm down. Fucking add me, Jesus. man. Jesus. Yeah, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. Yeah. Everybody watching that video being like, oh my God. Oh my God. Brendan oh Fraser. Oh my God. Oh my I'll God. Brendan Fraser. I wanted to, I wanted this scar. I didn't get this scar. I can't believe Brendan <laughs> Fraser showed up at the Prince Charles Cinema and I wasn't there. I said, I said, I, I sent the email out and I said, you'd regret it if you didn't come. You should be you there. You should bro. be there. I was giving you a hint, you know, look at those emails. I said, you, yeah. you, you'd regret it for the rest of your life. What the lifetime? I mean, I regretted not being there. <laughs> One of the few times I actually regretted not being there. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I could have met, could have met Rick O'Connell. Ladies and gentlemen, and my life would have been complete. You can uh, f- cheer Phil up if you support the podcast. Give him a little bit of scuba, yes. you know. M- Mummy returned on Patreon. Should we do that? Or Mummy Two Minute Dragon Empire. Anything? Yeah. Just if, give us we'll talk about. Yeah. It. I, I thought you, you were like Brandon saying movie. we're doing that because we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. I didn't watch it. But like, hey, if you want you us could. to do it, you could pay us to do it. It's over there, patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast for as low as one pound a month. You can get bonus episodes. We got Knock of the Cabin coming out. Uh, we got a bunch of like little, we're, we're doing these uh, Good Bagel Boss episodes that are coming out, filtering out. We just released Chain for Life. It's a really fun uh, discussion. And then Phil and I have already recorded an episode for the police story, uh, Jackie Chan's police story. So that episode is going to be coming out very soon as well. Um, and then, yeah, if you want it to be a good bagel boss, it's $25 or $19.50. I can't remember what it is in, in pounds. <laughs> uh, like I said last week, I'm not a computer. I'm not a bank. I don't know the exchange rate. Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. Uh, but yeah, you can head over there at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast and you become a good bagel boss. You can request a film for us to do like The Mummy Returns, like The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I don't know. Something like the Tom Cruise, like the Tom Cruise mummy, like the original mummy, like the dude, I would love to talk about the original mummy. That'd be great. But anyway, head over there, support the podcast. You can find us at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Say hi. You can email us at podcast at prince Phil, any parting words? Emotap, 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 emotap. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Drooptown Limery Main, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.